Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and this time we are talking about deities once again. Um, I did a deity series quite a few months ago on several of the Greek gods. If you have not listened to that, and if you would like to, um, go check it out. I have to scroll down a little bit, but I really enjoyed that. It was really fun. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, I have a degree in comparative religious studies. So aside from my personal practice in witchcraft and Wicca, I am also just very really interested and fascinated by religion and spirituality of all kinds. So I thought since it's been a while since we've talked about it, I would do another deity series, but this time on Norse gods or Germanic gods. So, um, this time we're talking about Odin. So, uh, Odin, of course, is a widely revered god found in Germanic mythology, and Norse mythology, the source of most surviving information about him, associates him as being the god of wisdom, healing, death, royalty, the gallows, knowledge, war, battle, victory, sorcery, poetry, and frenzy, to name a few. He is depicted as being the husband of the goddess Frigg, and in wider Germanic mythology and paganism, the god was known in Old English as Woden, and by other forms that are similar to that name, such as Woden, Wodan, Wotan, etc. But it originates from the Proto-Germanic na uh, name Wodanas, which means Lord of the Frenzy, or the leader of the possessed. Odin appears as a prominent god throughout the recorded history of Northern Europe, from the Roman occupation of the regions of Germania from about... 2 BCE, through movement of peoples during the Migration Period, which were about from the 4th to 6th century CE, as well as the Viking Age from the 8th to 11th centuries CE. In the modern period, the rural folklore of Germanic Europe continues to acknowledge Odin. References to him appear in place names throughout regions historically inhabited by the ancient Germanic peoples. And the day of the week, Wednesday, bears his name in many Germanic languages, including English. In Old English texts, Odin holds a particular place as a euphemized ancestral figure among royalty, and he is frequently referred to as a founding figure among various other Germanic peoples, such as the Lengobords. Forms of his name appear frequently through the Germanic record, through narratives regarding him, and mainly the Old Norse works recorded mostly in Iceland around the 13th century. These texts make up the bulk of modern understanding of Norse mythology. Old Norse texts portray Odin as the son of Vesla and Bor, along with two brothers, Vili and Ve, and he fathered many sons, most famously the gods Thor and Baldr. He is known by hundreds of names. He is frequently portrayed as one-eyed, long-bearded, wielding a spear named Gungnir, or appearing in disguise, wearing a cloak and a broad hat. He is often accompanied by his animal familiars, the wolves Geri and Freki, and the ravens Hungin and Munin, who bring him information from all over Midgard, and he rides the flying eight-legged steed Sleipnir across the sky and into the underworld. In these texts, he frequently seeks greater knowledge, most famously by obtaining the mead of poetry and making wagers with his wife Frigg over his endeavors. He takes part in the creation of the world by slaying the primordial being Emir and in giving life to the first two humans, Ask and Embla, he also gives mankind knowledge of runic writing and poetry, showing aspects of a culture or hero, and he is particularly associated with the holiday of Yule. 
Odin is also associated with the divine battlefield maidens known as Valkyries and oversees Valhalla, where he receives half of those who die in battle. The Einherjar, sending the other half to the goddess Freya's Elysian Folkvanger. Odin consults the disembodied, herb-embalmed head of the wise Mimir, who foretells the doom of Ragnarok and urges Odin to lead the Einherjar into battle before being consumed by the monstrous wolf Fenrir. In later folklore, Odin appears as the leader of the Wild Hunt, a ghostly procession of the dead through the winter sky. He is associated with charms and other forms of magic, and particularly in Old English and Old Norse texts. So, we've done a little overview now. Let's talk about his actual name, because it's very, very interesting. So the Old Norse theonym, Odin, and its various German cognates, including the Old English Woden, the Old Saxon Wodan, and various other forms, they all derive from the reconstructed Proto-Germanic masculine name, Woldanas, which translates as Lord of Frenzy. Recently, an attestation of the Proto-Norse language has been accepted as probably authentic, but the name might be used as a relative adjective instead of meaning gift or of divine possession. So the modern English word Wednesday derives from the Old English word Woldensdag, meaning the day of Woden, or the day of Odin. The cognate terms are found in other Germanic languages, such as Middle Low German and Dutch, and this is where we get the word for Wednesday in English. Um, all of these terms derive from the Latin, excuse me, the late pro-Germanic Wodensday, but Odin was thought by the Greeks and Romans to be an aspect of their god Mercury, which is why in Latin-based language, the word for Wednesday is Mercoles in Spanish, Mercredi in French, and Mercoledi in Italian, because they're referencing Mercury. But in this sense, they're still named after Odin. So the earliest records of the Germanic peoples were recorded by the Romans, and in these works, Odin is frequently referred to, via a process of syncretization, as being an equivalent of the Roman god Mercury, who is also the Greek god Hermes. The first clear example of this occurs in the Roman historian Tacitus's late 1st century work, Germania, where writing about the religion of Germanic peoples, he commented that among the gods, Mercury is the one they principally worship. They regard it as a religious duty to offer to him on fixed days, sacrifices, as well as human victims. Hercules and Mars, they appease by animal offerings of the permitted kind, and adds that a portion also venerate Isis. In this instance, Tacitus refers to Odin as Mercury, Thor as Hercules, and Tyr as Mars, and Isis has been debated as perhaps being Freya. Anthony Burley noted that Odin's apparent identification with Mercury had little to do with Mercury's classical role of being a messenger of the gods, but appears to be due to Mercury's role of a psychopomp and Odin's underworld associations. Other contemporary evidence may also have led to the equation of Odin and Mercury. Odin, like Mercury, may have at this time already been pictured with a staff and a hat and may have been considered a god of trade, and the two may have been seen as a parallel in their roles as wandering deities but their rankings in their respective religious spheres may have been very different. Also, Tacitus's Among the Gods, Mercury is one they worship principally is an exact quote from Julius Caesar's comment on the Gauls, in which Caesar is referring to the Gauls and not the Germanic peoples. Regarding the Germanic peoples, Caesar states, they consider the gods only the ones they can see, the sun, the moon, and fire, which scholars reject as being clearly mistaken. 
regardless of what may have led to that statement. Although the English kingdoms were converted to Christianity by the 7th century, Odin is frequently listed as a founding figure among the old English royalty. Odin is also either directly or indirectly mentioned a few times in the surviving old English poetic corpus, including the Nine Herbs Charm, and likely also the old English rune poem. Odin may also be referenced in the riddle Solomon and Saturn. In the Nine Herbs Charm, Odin is said to have slain a worm, or a serpent, or a dragon, by the way of the nine glory twigs. Preserved from an 11th century manuscript, the poem is, according to Bill Griffiths, one of the most enigmatic of old English texts. The section that mentions Odin is this. A serpent came crawling, but it destroyed no one. When Odin took nine twigs of glory and then struck the adder so that it flew into nine pieces, they archived apple and poison that it would never re-enter the house. The emanation of Nan to man has been proposed. In this next stanza comments on the creation of herbs, particularly of fennel and chervil, while hanging in heaven by the wise lord, who is thought to be Odin, before sending them down to mankind. So in the 11th century, in the Viking Age, the chronicler Adam of Bremen recorded Gesta Humbriginesis Ecclesius Pontificum, and I don't speak Latin, so I probably did not say that correctly. Anyways, uh, he said there was a statue of Thor that Adam describes as the mightiest, and he sat enthroned in the temple at Uppsala, flanked by Odin and Frico. Regarding Odin, Adam defines him as a frenzy and says that he rules war and gives people strength against their enemy, and that the people of the temple depict him wearing armor as our people depict Mars. According to Adam, the people of Uppsala had appointed priests to each of the gods who offer up sacrifices in times of war, and these sacrifices were made to the image of Odin. In the 12th century, centuries after Norway had become officially Christianized, Odin was still being invoked by the population, as evidenced by a stick bearing a runic message found among the Brigan inscriptions in Bergen, Norway. On the stick, both Thor and Odin are called upon for help. Thor is asked to receive the reader, and Odin is asked to own them. Local folklore and folk practice recognized Odin as late as the 19th century in Scandinavia. In a work published in the mid-19th century, Benjamin Thorpe records that in Gotland, many traditions and stories of Odin the Old still live in the mouths of the people. He notes that in Blicking, Sweden, it was formerly the custom to have a sheaf on the field for Odin's horses, and cites other examples, such as in Kropstad, Smalland, where a barrow was reported to have been opened in the 18th century, purportedly containing the body of Odin. After Christianization, the mound was known as Helvetsbach, which means Hell's Mound in Swedish. Local legend dictates that after it was opened, there burst forth a wondrous fire like a flash of lightning, and that a coffin full of flint and a lamp were excavated. Thorpe additionally relates that the legend has it that a priest who dwelt around there had once sowed some rye, and that when the rye sprang up, so came Odin, riding from the hills each evening. Odin was so massive that he towered over the farmyard buildings, spear in hand, halting before the entryway. He kept all from entering or leaving all night, which occurred every night until the rye was a cut. So beginning with Henry Patterson's doctoral dissertation in 1876, which proposed that Thor was the indigenous god of the Scandinavian farmers and Odin, a later god, 
proper to chieftains and poets. Many scholars of Norse mythology in the past viewed Odin as having been imported from somewhere else. This idea was developed by Bernard Salin on the basis of motifs and petroglyphs, and with reference to the prologue of the Prose Edda, which presents the Aesir as having migrated into Scandinavia. Salin proposed that both Odin and the runes were introduced in southeastern Europe in the Iron Age. Other scholars place this introduction at different times, Axel Orlik during the Migration Age as a result of Gaulish influence. More radically, both the archaeologist and comparative mythologist Maria Gumbutas and the, German the Germanicist Karl Helm argued that the Aesir as a group, which includes Thor and Odin, were later introductions into Northern Europe and that the indigenous religion had been Vanic. In the 16th century, during the Vasa dynasty, Odin was officially considered the first king of Sweden by that country's government and historians. This was based on an embellished list of rulers invented by Johann Magnus and officially adopted during the reign of Karl IX, who, though numbered accordingly, actually was only the third Swedish king of that name. Under the trifunctional hypothesis of George de Mazel, Odin is assigned one of the core functions in the Indo-European pantheon as representative of the first function, sovereignty, corresponding to the Hindu Varuna, fury and magic, as opposed to Tyr, who corresponds to the Hindu Mitra, law and justice, while the Vanir represent the third function, which is fertility. Another approach to Odin has been in terms of his function and his attributes. Many early scholars interpret him as a wind god, or especially as a god of death. He has also been interpreted in the light of his association with ecstatic practices, and Jan de Vrij compared him to the Hindu god Rudra and the Greek god Hermes. So let's talk about Odin's modern influence. The god Odin has been a source of inspiration for artists working in the art, fine arts, literature, and music. Fine art depictions of Odin in the modern period include the pen and ink drawing Odin Berganskunta and the sketch King Gilf receives Odin on his arrival to Sweden by Pierre Herberg, among many, many, many other works I'm not going to uh, cycle all the way through. But uh, in Robert E. Howard's story, The Carn on the Headland, he assumes that Odin was a malevolent demonic spirit and that he was mortally wounded when taking human form from fighting among the Vikings. Science fiction writer Paul Anderson's story, The Sorrow of Odin the Goth, asserts that Odin was in fact a 20th century American time traveler who sought to study the culture of the ancient Goths and ended up being regarded as a god and started the myth. And of course, as probably most of us know, Odin was adapted as a character by Marvel Comics, first appearing in the Journey into Mystery series in 1962. Sir Anthony Hopkins portrayed the character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Thor in 2011, in Thor The Dark World in 2013, and again in Thor Ragnarok in 2017. But that has been our overview of Thor, excuse me, of Thor, of Odin. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you all next time.